You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome to another episode of The Potato Files. I am your host, human potato of comedy, Jeff Paul. My guest today is the um, director of, what is it, Talent? I read it before. It was, uh, <laughs> she books just for laughs, okay? <laughs> what is your actual, Zoe Rabnett is oh, our guest here. It doesn't matter. What does is it? your actual title? Let's, oh, let's get that on record. It is a confusing one. It's a director of festival talent and planning, I think. Yes, yeah, yes. There were so many words. Yeah. Director of t- festival talent and or planning. talent festival and planning or planning and festival talent or it's some combination of those words. You're, uh, you're doing big things. <laughs> that's, that's all we need to know. Um, you've got the big just for laughs coming up this summer you just got back from australia Mm -hmm. that's fun Mm -hmm. how was the festival down there so i go down sometimes a couple times a year so this one was the scouting trip so i was down at the melbourne comedy festival to watch shows yeah how far away is where you guys do your festival from melbourne there are two major cities that are close to each other are melbourne and sydney so our festival is in sydney and it's it's like an hour and 15 minute flight it's not that far okay, okay. it's a longer drive but it's but it's a it's a, a flight so it's not like drive. it's not kind of in competition or is it in competition or? yeah but it's also six months apart from each other in the calendar so okay. and they're quite different festivals um the melbourne festival is a is a massive solo show style festival there was over 600 shows there oh like hour-long shows yeah. and some of them are produced by the festival and some of them are produced by independent producers who program you know venues yeah, yeah, and yeah. seek out spaces and our festival is a very different sort of structure and design and so yeah they're quite they're quite different propositions there is another sydney comedy festival but okay. why talk about other people's <laughs> festivals how many acts would you say are on the australian festival on our Sydney festival. Yeah. It depends and it varies each year. We shoot a TV show there. So that, um, you know, is a significant number of people. I think there's 40 or 50 people that we film for television. And then there's a series of concerts that go through the concert hall at the opera house. So that's another 10 people. And then there's a series of other sort of solo shows. So another 10. So, you know, something like 60 or 70 people all told, but it's a, you know, it can be one person doing a huge concert and mm-hmm. then 10 people doing a TV show on the same night. So. Would that be your smallest fest? That the, I guess there's four, right? Four majors? Yeah, there's four major festivals. So that's the smallest of the four. That's um, the newest as well? Or have you guys been doing that a while? Well, JFL Northwest is newer to us. because oh, you guys is, acquired that. Right? Yeah, we yeah. partnered with the festival that existed already mm-hmm. and sort of rebranded it and kind of recreated a little bit of what it was. And now it's JFL Northwest. So it's the newest one to the Just for Laughs okay, okay. festival schedule, but it's existed for quite a while. So And yeah. Sydney is in its ninth year i think so it's been around for a little while while. we do have an event in bermuda it's not really a festival but it's the smallest yeah okay yeah which isn't one of the four major ones yeah yeah, i've seen stuff for that i think uh k trev did that he did yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. how many times a year you gotta go to australia then well i don't go to the melbourne festival to scout every year it depends on the year so this year i'm going twice because i'll go back in november for our festival Mm -hmm. But that's the most number of times per year I can go to Australia. Oh it's God. so far away. I've, I've never done that, but I, I hear it's uh, it takes a toll on the uh, body. You, you know, it used to be easier, but now the combination of getting older and 
knowing how bad it can get yeah, yeah, yeah. and preemptively hating yeah, 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 it. Yeah, just um, yeah, it gets harder every time. But did you, did you say before we started recording? Did you say something about you had family coming out in Australia? Yeah, so I have a whole bunch of family in Australia. Oh, okay. My mom's sister moved to Australia to go to university back in the seventies and just stayed. Never came back. Yeah, and so she has a family there. So I have cousins and okay. my cousins have kids and. And because my aunt made a real effort when we were all growing up to include us in each other's lives, she brought them all over for a whole winter and lived in Canada. And so we all got to know each other as teenagers. And then... So their poor kids had to suffer two winters? Yes. <laughs> their winter and then come for ours? <laughs> I mean, their winter's not really all that sufferable. <laughs> and uh, and then, yeah, as I was, you know, becoming a young adult and traveling, I traveled to Australia to visit them. And then I this job takes me to Australia so often that, honestly, I see my family in Australia more often than I see family in Canada, which is crazy. I see most of my family at Christmas. Say that again? I see most of my family at Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's normal. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really lucky. Yeah, we're all really close, which okay. makes the trips that much more fun and um, exciting for me to get to see all of them too. My aunt always it, it, comes to wherever I am and hangs out. It's great. And now that it's a, it's a working thing, that's, uh, you're getting that plane ticket for free. Yes. <laughs> so Somebody else is picking up that ticket. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, yeah. Hey, you earned it. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, where did you uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Toronto, north of Toronto, in North York. Okay. And um, I was born in Ottawa. Moved to New Brunswick when I was really little, but was here by the time I was in grade three, I think. Right. So basically, grew up here. Yeah. Yeah. Where North York? North York. Yeah. Okay. Did you come down the city a lot or all the just, time? Yeah. yeah. As a teenager, you know, we weren't the subway line didn't quite go that far, so it wasn't it wasn't quite as easy as it is now to come mm -hmm. down from there. But yeah, all the time. And as a teenager, I worked at the HMV Superstore at Young and Dundas, which uh -huh. just closed, which is sad. <laughs> but at the time, it was, you know, so cool to work at Young yeah, and yeah, Dundas. Yeah. It was... I remember back, like, even the mall back in my house, like, people that worked in, not HMV, I think we had a Sunrise. And those yeah. Were, like, the yeah. coolest guys. Yeah. You had to go through them to, they had the, t the only ticket master in town. So yep. it was just, uh, if, you, if you knew a guy at Sunrise, you could get front, front yeah. line... Uh, Oh, I felt so cool working at HMV. <laughs> so cool. It was great. Mm -hmm. And I met CDs. a lot of people, you know, through working there that ended up being, you know, connections through comedy and music. And mm -hmm. it all sort of blended together in yeah. the time when I was watching comedy and becoming a total comedy nerd while I was working at a music store, which seems crazy now. But mm -hmm. yeah, it worked out great. What'd your parents do? Uh, my mom was a homemaker. So she raised us. And um, Who's us? Me and my sister. Just just Stuya? Just the two of us. Right. And my dad was an architect turned real estate developer. Okay. Yeah. So everything was all right? Everything was pretty good. Good, good, yeah, good, good. Yeah, a pretty standard childhood, I think. Yeah. Religion? None, really. Mm. No. We grew up in a pretty Jewish neighborhood, but we're not Jewish, so, and my parents didn't enforce any particular agenda and mm -hmm. so encouraged us to decide for ourselves and, and what did you decide i kind of decided nothing all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i would i would identify as an atheist but occasionally wonder if maybe i should choose to be an agnostic but nice. i think yeah i think atheism runs firm <laughs> you ever hear uh rob ross's joke about uh there's only three times a year christians pray it's uh, Christmas, Easter, and if the lottery's over fifty million, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, were you a good student growing up? I was okay. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't terrible, and I wasn't the best. So, yeah. 
Did you I know was, you wanted to work in this crazy business? No. no. I mean, I think when I was growing up, which, you know, I'm a bit older than you. And at the time that I was growing up, there weren't schools, there weren't, you know, there wasn't a path that was necessarily obvious if you wanted to get into the entertainment world. There mm-hmm. wasn't, um, there there weren't the options that are available now, I think. Mm-hmm. And I still think that now, you know, it can be a, a question of just who you know, and yeah. just getting into things that way. Do you think uh, like programs like Humber, like do you think, do you think you can teach comedy? If somebody's like, I want to be a comedian, I'm going to go to school for it. I think or? that's a complicated question because I think that you can improve on skills that exist already mm-hmm. or, you know, an instinct that someone has. I think it's very hard to teach it to someone who doesn't necessarily come naturally to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that there are certain aspects of things that you can certainly teach, of course, and you can encourage and you can, you know, point in directions and you can, um, you know, offer you know, constructive criticism. I've never looked at the uh, numbers at Humber, but I'm sure it's like anything else. Like I took, uh, I took television broadcasting in college mm. and I think 10 people in my graduating class work in TV. Yeah. And I think everyone else just fades away. Yeah. And I don't know what the numbers are coming out of Humber. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they're probably strong and taper off after some amount of time. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out, but you know, they, they, at at least they are putting people, you know, there are a lot of people that come from outside of the city. And I think if you're in the city, you can find your people. Yeah. And that can be your own path. But if you're not, if you're coming from somewhere else, it's such a black hole to dive into. You'd have no idea where to even start. And so that offers a a way to just find your community. I had the, like, I I wanted to be a comic when I was a teenager. I was like, I want to do this. And I didn't know where to do it. I never saw a live comedy show until I was in college. Um, but even then, I just I I sat on it for about ten years before I ever got on stage, and just because I didn't know where to go, what to do. And if there had been a school, would you have called them up? Well, I remember when the, when Humber started, my buddy's dad was like telling me about it, and he was like, he wanted me to try it. And uh, I, I come from Niagara; it's a small town, and I was terrified of Toronto. I'm like, mm. and I, I don't want to live there. And then so I, w- I went to school in London, which was easy nice starter city yeah and then eventually made my way here but uh um it was like after my divorce i moved downtown and then i was just drinking at a bar and the waitress ran an open mic on the wednesdays and i was like i'd like to try that and she put me on and <laughs> and the rest is history. yeah but it was just like it was if i wasn't drinking in that bar would i've ever started it you know like yeah it's uh i mean i have to think that in toronto you, you I would eventually see yeah, it. You yeah, you would have yeah, been yeah. in another bar, or you would yeah, have yeah. seen a sign, or you well, I think have... if my uh, if me and my wife didn't get divorced, I would never have tried it, and I would be uh, raising kids out in Ajax somewhere and just staring at a shotgun whole night other after life. Night. <laughs> it's hard to say, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just we never know how things would have changed. Mm-hmm. Did you go to post secondary school? Did you I go did. To- I went to McMaster University and got a degree in anthropology. Okay. Uh huh. And well, how's that working out for you? Well, listen, we're here talking about <laughs> comedy, right? All right. So good. Uh, I don't know that I ever legitimately thought. I'm getting a degree in something that I intend to pursue. Mm-hmm. I wanted to live away from home. I wanted to experience university. So you chose um, Hamilton. Well, you know, I was an okay student, not a great student. Mm-hmm. So I was accepted to McMaster and to Ottawa University. And I chose McMaster. In retrospect, if I'd gone to Ottawa, for sure, my life would be very different. Yeah, you know, yeah, I was yeah. go- I, I was going to go to, uh, it was a kinesiology program that was a bilingual program too. And McMaster was just down the highway, you know, mm-hmm. and 
in the end, McMaster ended up being, I lived there, but I would live there for four days of the week and go to school. And then I would have Fridays off or Mondays off. I can't remember what it was and spend three day weekends in Toronto, working at HMV, going to comedy shows, going mm-hmm. to music shows. And so I had this sort of split life and it was, I was developing this comedy music world yeah. while I was at university. So that when I finished university, there were already sort of the foundations laid for a future in that business. So I, I I don't think I ever once thought, I wonder what I'm going to do with this anthropology degree. It was mm-hmm. more about the experience of secondary education and yeah. taking care of myself and living as an adult and all of those Figuring things. Out Mind some... you, those three days a week, I was still sleeping at my mom's house. So. <laughs> I think uh, most like degrees, diplomas, whatever you get, people just want to see that you committed and did something. Yeah. And like, oh, you saw it through to the end. Sure. And I can tell you that not one person ever in the history of my life has asked me about my degree <laughs> yeah. in a context that, you know implied it was mm-hmm. necessary in any way whatsoever. <laughs> no, I would like asked. to value your opinion, but I'm going to need to see some credentials yeah, first. <laughs> just, just for laughs, did not, you know, ask for my university degree as proof that yeah, I yeah, finished yeah. my education. So after school, you're you just going to shows, um, yeah, going to was, comedy shows, you're going to music shows, and you're just hanging around the both. scene? Yeah, I was hanging around just knowing people, and mm-hmm. I had become a fan of several sort of comedy um, you know, different acts and different people in the business. And I was connecting with people and just did, sort did of- Did you ever have the friends. urge to perform yourself? Never, not once. Really? Yeah, never, not once. It has never occurred to me to want to even try it. I have terrible stage fright. Mm-hmm. I think it's- Do you have to do any public speaking in your job or- No, not really. Occasionally, occasionally I'll ask, get asked to- you know, speak at some, some something or... Mm. Um, you did a town hall at Comedy Bar last year. Yeah, things like that make yeah. me very nervous. I've mm-hmm. spoken at Humber before. That stuff makes me very nervous. Even this makes me nervous, but I've gotten past that. This is okay with this me. All right. This We're in the just, brand new Never yeah. Sleep studio. I know. I know. This it's pretty right. good. We got, we got a view. We got a bed. Yeah. We anything got a, can we happen. We got a shark we got on a the wall. Big shark on the wall. We, we used to have antlers in the old studio. Wow, the shark is... Serious step up. Alex, did you time your move to time out around Mark Marin's too? <laughs> like you and Mark Marin both starting in a new space at the same time? We have the same gear. Same gear. That's what does he that's what he told me yeah, the first time he met me. He's Mark- like those same microphones. Mark Marin's got them. <laughs> does does that, has anybody check to see if Mark Marin has a shark on his new wall? I, I doubt he does. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Marin. I forget where we left off. Uh, but you uh you <laughs> oh, never yeah, wanted to perform is, and- No, never. So yeah. I think it helps me because you know, I'm watching so many comedians on stage and they mm-hmm. all, every single one of them have the benefit of the doubt that they're doing something that I couldn't do. So mm-hmm. they they all get credit for doing, getting on stage and just trying, even yeah, if it yeah, doesn't yeah. go well. <laughs> They've at least gotten my respect for getting on stage and doing something that I'm too scared to do. So I think it's it's helped me to empathize with how people are doing it and all of those things. So, okay, so yeah, ha- but never, never on stage. How's, Ugh, it, makes me how's it move into uh, employment? Like, um, well, what's your I, first gig? So I had been hanging around a lot and watching a lot of Kids in the Hall shows and Corky and the Juice Pigs oh, yeah. and um, and a lot of Bare Naked Lady shows. Those people had been hanging around together. And I'd become such a fan of Corky and the Juice Pigs that I had become known to them and had started to be friends with them. Mm-hmm. And they were at the time co-managed by two people. And one of those people was Lauren Perlmutter. Mm-hmm. 
And after I finished university, I decided to do some traveling. I wasn't totally sure what I, where I was going to land. So I went and did the classic backpack across right, Europe move. Yeah. And while I was overseas, Lauren decided to start his own business, which is called Diamond Field, which exists still now. Mm-hmm. And he got in touch with me overseas and asked if I would come work for Diamond Field. So I had been... Get ready. President of the Corky and the Juice Pigs fan club. <laughs> so I had, I had worked a bit with Lauren, so he knew me yeah. and, you know, knew I was passionate about comedy and also knew that I was just starting out. So would mm-hmm. be probably up for doing a lot of different things at a startup company. And yeah, so I came back. I ended my trip early and came home and started working at Diamond Field. And it was at the same time that they... Um, he had, was creating the Alt Doc Comedy Lounge at the Rivoli, which still exists now. So yeah. this is twenty two years ago. Okay. And so came back to work as a sort of junior agent, office manager, kind of be all. It was just the two of us. And how old are you did at this everything. Time? I would have been twenty two. Okay. Something like that. Hmm. And um, yeah, so went back and worked for him for a long time, and ran the Alt Dot, and you know got to produce those shows and get to know all the comics and okay. um at the same time was you know just building a network were you uh were you partying with everyone or was it mm, uh, were you ever a party girl you don't strike me as one not really i mean i definitely used to be able to drink more than i can mm-hmm. drink corking the juice pigs parties get pretty crazy yeah man <laughs> No, I kind of never was. I mean, I definitely had some really great times and great nights, but I was never, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I guess I was sort of partying a bit in my 20s when I could handle things better. And I used to go to the Edinburgh Festival as a fan and, um, you know, with the Juice Pigs or with Diamond Field. And I mean, that place is party central and Mm -hmm. so would stay up all night. And yeah, I mean, I did some of that, but I was never... That good at it, I think. <laughs> no drugs, though? They're just drink- no. up and drinking? Yeah, no, no drugs. I never really, it never really struck me. It doesn't strike me, but I don't consider marijuana drugs. So. Yeah, and I've never really gotten into it that either. I mean, it's just never, I don't know, I sound so boring. That's all right. Oh, my God. I, I do, uh, I, uh, me and your husband, who's also been on this podcast, uh, we, we've talked about doing mushrooms together at some point, so. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. You ever do those? A couple times, but um, Kira's afraid of them. Oh yeah, yeah and I, I, touch I don't know if I would touch them now. Nah. Yeah, I really feel like that was a thing for your twenties, just for, <laughs> for me. I, think. I didn't really do them in my twenties. I don't trust I was, myself uh, at this age to take anything well. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't get back into them till like a few years ago, but now it's just now it's like twice a year, but it's uh. I don't know. A special I mean, event. Yeah, like me and the guys, we go uh, to my cottage every May long weekend and just eat a bunch of mushrooms and just, you know, things happen. See what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It does sound pretty fun. It absolutely does. Yeah, out in the woods fun. and just having a good time. But I, I did them once in the city. That's uh, that's too scary. Much of the taste of the Danforth on mushrooms. Oh, God. Like, that's, there's too many people. <laughs> yeah. I You know, as I'm getting older, I find I'm just getting more overwhelmed with the city, I love the city, and mm-hmm. I we really love being here, but people and noise and huge crowds and all of those things, I have to just be a little bit more conscious of myself in those spaces. Whenever I can't my- imagine being high and in them <laughs> and be horrifying. When my brother, uh, my brother come up to see me like twice a year, and he's just like, he can't handle all these people. He's like, how do you walk around this city? Yeah. Just like, it's this, I don't know, I just like it. I like being immersed in it. I, uh, I don't know. I do love it here. We yeah. are really glad to be back. 
Mm-hmm. How long did you live in Montreal for? I was there. Tim was there for a lot longer than I was because he went to McGill and stayed, basically. Okay. He kind of came back and forth a little bit, but mainly was in Montreal since university. So he was there when I got there, and I got there in 90, uh, no, in 2000. And I moved there full time in 2009 and then moved back. It's 2018 now. So yeah. two, 2016, I think we moved back. Okay. So I was there for, you know, seven years. You, were you already with Tim when you moved up there? No. When did you meet him? When I moved, when you were there, when I got yeah. the job for just for laugh. I mean, okay. I'd, we'd met before. He'd done the Rivoli, and yeah, yeah. we've we'd crossed well, paths. Comedy, everybody. Meets yeah, we all eventually. we all knew each other, but we we just sort of knew each other in passing as acquaintances. Okay. It wasn't until I started working at Just for Laughs and was in Montreal all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you start with Diamond Field, and then you start the Alt Dot. How long are you with Lauren there? So I was with Lauren for quite a while, and then left for a number of years, and then went back. Where'd you um, go for the number of years? So I was working with a musician named Kevin Hearn, and I was his sort of tour manager, personal assistant, okay. kind of general overall person. Big tours? Uh, no, he was doing, um, so he's in the band Bare Naked Ladies, so he was doing big tours with Bare Naked Ladies, but doing smaller tours with his So you were just solo a solo band. manager. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of crossover with Bare Naked Ladies World because it was just so, and I wasn't really his manager, I was sort of just his person. Mm-hmm. I just took care of his world in Handler. a lot of ways. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, and he, so he was doing big tours with Bare Nakeds, but he was doing smaller tours with his solo band, which is called Thin Buckle. And so we did a bunch of tours like that with him. And sometimes Harlan Williams would come along because it's they're cousins. Fun. Harlan and Kevin are cousins and have a duo, a music duo called The Cousins. Harlan's on the top of Kira's celebrity um, list, you know, the, you know, the list. The list, yeah. the agreed to list. Yeah, Harlan. I'm how like, do, you, how do you feel about that? It's way that too attainable. A, a legit attainable, <laughs> he is He is definitely going to cross paths with Kira. Well, they have crossed paths. Yeah. They, almost were, they almost went on a date a couple times and then it never panned out and she's still got this She's still holding on to Harlan. Well, he's very funny. I can't handle this. <laughs> Tom Cruise, you're never going to get that. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be free to have someone on that list that is so right there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put her cousin on my list. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, she's got a lot of uh, Instagram followers. That's a celebrity in her own right. Yeah, so that's fair. <laughs> that seems a totally legit move in this day and age. Speaking of this day, did you? Notice the shift when everything started going, like, because you've been around a while. So, like, the whole online birth of, like, what everything happens online now. And it's just, like, do you miss the days when none of this was going on? Mm, you know. Like, these Facebook fights about shows that people are pissed off. Like, it's just, it's nuts. It's every day. Yeah, I'm really, I, I don't miss the old days. Like, I think that we're better at, at communicating and, and the world is more... um receptive to a lot of things because of being able to talk to each other online Mm -hmm. but it's exhausting and it's hard to keep up with and it can be really oh just so boring in your position how much do you pay attention to these things going on i'll try and pay as much attention as i can with you know with Mm -hmm. the amount of time i have to dedicate to it i think it's my responsibility to be as educated as possible as what's going on But I also, it's also impossible. You know, I'm in all those Facebook groups, every city that has one of the mm-hmm. com- the stand-up comedy groups, you know, from Vancouver to yeah. St. John's, I'm in all of them. And 
there are things going on in all of those. Toronto's got to be the worst one. Though. Toronto is pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty hard. <laughs> and I've had to, you know, turn off the notifications for it and yeah, just yeah. go to it occasionally and just see what's happening. And it's hard. It's really hard to actually just have the time to read everything mm-hmm. that's going it's on. It's very time consuming. Yeah. These things just get out of control and you're just, and now there's like different threads of like, you're just, you got to yeah. read 30 threads to figure out what's going on. Yeah. It's just, I try to tune myself out of that so much. And, I make it a personal point to stay out of it. Like I don't, I don't want to throw my opinions online. I don't want to fight with somebody online because it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, you're not going to change somebody's mind. It's going to be there. They think what they think. You think what you think, and you're just going to bat heads for until I mean, you get I do sick think, of doing it. I mean, I see, totally see why you would do that, and I don't engage online. But I like that I've seen examples of the opposite of that, that people do change other people's minds or at least express themselves in a way that helps someone see it slightly differently. And that does happen. I just think mm-hmm. it doesn't happen often enough. And it doesn't happen in the Toronto stand-up oh, community God. on Facebook. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. I don't engage either. And I can't keep up with everything. So there are for sure stories that I have missed along the way because they just are pile on top of each other and you miss mm-hmm. one and it just is yeah, gone yeah, because yeah. there's it's taken over by a whole other story. Yeah. But I mean, I'm glad people are, you know, voicing their concerns. It's just that seems to be the extent of it in a lot of ways. There's no change affected. Mm-hmm. It's just people ranting. Yeah. But yeah, occasionally something good comes of it all. And I, I try to focus on those things. But yeah, it can get overwhelming to read it all. I also uh, make it a point to stay out of it um, because of the position Kira's in. Yeah. It's like if I start shooting my mouth off. It's going to reflect badly on her. Yeah. And she doesn't want that shit. She doesn't want to engage either. Like, I'm sure if Tim went on and was like, white guys matter, you know, this is a great idea for a show that you'd be like, Tim, what the fuck are you writing that for? Yeah. I mean, I think most people would know that your opinion is yours and not Kira's and Mm -hmm. you're not speaking on behalf of her just the way most of them would just the way people would know that Tim isn't speaking on my behalf. But I think it's reflective. So for sure, you're right to think that if you say something, it will reflect on Kira and Mm -hmm. it could cause trouble and the same for me if tim says something lucky for me tim never is ever on facebook only (laughs) reads twitter and mostly cares about politics and basketball so he is often completely unaware of what's going on tim had uh it was probably the most honest moment i've ever had with another person before after he last time he did my show i was like why don't you come up for a beer and she goes i'm gonna be honest with you I just like going home. <laughs> like, I don't want to be out. I was like, all right, man, we'll go home. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he, he, does, he does like being at home. We both do. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. He said you guys don't even talk a lot. You try to avoid talking comedy. No, I wouldn't say that we avoid talking comedy. It just doesn't come up as much as you might think it would. Mm-hmm. I think people assume that we talk about comedy all the time because we're both in the business. Um, And it certainly is part of a huge part of our lives. But we don't talk about it as often as you might expect. I mean, I think we both think of it as our jobs. And there is a... How was work today? It was fine. Okay. Yeah. We talk about things that are affecting us for sure, but we don't talk about the day in, day out of it all the time. And I think that's partly because we also have so many other things we want to talk about. Our families and Mm -hmm. our dog. We talk a lot about our dog. (laughs) And um, and just... Just our house and our lives and our plans and, you know, our schedules and things like just life stuff. Um, And so we don't end up talking about comedy all that much. We do, but we don't avoid it. It just doesn't end up taking up as much space in our lives Mm -hmm. as you'd guess. um, Tim and I are, uh, we we both like the fact that our, uh, I don't know, our girls, our wives, our whatever, um, work in the business. Like we find that 
good for, it's just easier for understanding what the hell we have to do. Sure. Like you get that Tim will have to go out on a Monday and just work some jokes for beer tickets. And that's his night, you know? Yeah. And uh, Kira completely understands that. And like, like, especially when it comes like when you're working on something, I'm like, I'm, I tell him like, I'm going to be, I'm booking a bunch of open mics for the next couple of weeks. Cause I got to get something ready. And she's like, okay, fine. And we just work around that and see yeah. each other when we see each other. Yeah. And you both understand when either of you have to go on the road for something yeah. and you know, you're missing. Cause often that'll happen that you'll have to miss events or family things or whatever. And mm -hmm. I certainly can imagine that in a scenario where one person is in the business and the other isn't, and is in some more sort of structured, regular yeah, yeah, quote yeah. unquote, regular job that that would be really hard to try and see each other's lives and mm -hmm. we have none of that we totally yeah, no, totally it's, it's, understand it's, it's each a, other's a, worlds it's a huge help yeah huge oh. oh yeah for sure and tim gets it and i travel a lot i mean tim travels certainly for shows mm -hmm. but i end up being on the road to further away places more often mm -hmm. and of course go to montreal i go to montreal every three or four weeks for a week and he has to take care of our lives and our dog and our house. And do you, you know? have a? Do you keep a place in Montreal? Like if you're going once a week? Yeah, I Airbnb a friend's apartment, like okay. second room in an apartment, so that I can just keep a space there. But I don't. Yeah, I don't live there full time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that worked out very well. That's new this year because a friend moved to Montreal and got a place that was bigger. So now the company will Airbnb her extra space for me. But it means I don't full -time? have to. No, just for the week that I'm there, oh, okay. and then. That means that I'm not always going to a hotel every mm -hmm. time and just feeling like I'm a visitor in the city. This makes me feel a little more at home when I'm there, which is great. Yeah. yeah and he, so he understands <clears throat> when I have to travel and I understand when he has to travel and we figure it out. I think that's more healthy to have time apart like that than to just be in each other's business nonstop. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any different. I told so. Kara the other day, I think if a, if a husband and wife ever get arrested for the same crime, they should be sentenced to live in a cell together. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to get a better punishment yeah. than that. <laughs> I mean, we both really like being at home and being together, but mm -hmm. we've never been at home together year round all the time. Yeah. That's never, so we don't totally know what that would be like. I don't know. I mean, I assume we'd probably drive each other crazy after some amount of Well, that's of time. what I'm saying. If we're time apart, you're, yeah. you're, 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 I mean, there's you're a longing reason, for each other. Yeah, there's a reason for that expression, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm -hmm. I think I think it can be pretty good for us. Mm -hmm. Makes well, you appreciate your now. life, how long, too. How long have you been with him now? We have been together since 2008, so 10 years. Okay. Yeah. And you were already working for Just for Laughs when you met him? Yep. Okay, okay. I had just started. Nice. And I had sworn I would never date a comic. Was that your first comic you dated? First comic I ever After dated. After all those years hanging out? Your yeah. first one, first eh? First comic I ever dated. I, I think, well, besides goddamn Harland, <laughs> I think I could be Kira's first. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how what happened with her and Harland. <laughs> should we call him? I no, let's not. Let's I didn't know Cuba Gooding Jr. tried to kiss her one night. What? Yeah. Yeah, that would be allowed, though, right? I mean, it's Cuba Gooding Jr. I know, but he was wearing a wedding ring at the time. Ooh. So. <laughs> Spreading rumors about you, Cuba. <laughs> he listens, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> no one listens to this. What? Uh, let's get into what um, your actual job is uh, for Just for Last. You're Canadian and international talent, mm -hmm. but yeah. you don't... You don't do the States. I don't book the Americans, okay. no. So I book pretty much the rest of the world for all of our projects. All right. So like uh, you, like, cause you said they just announced uh, their, their, like a couple headliners for just for last of summer one. Mm -hmm. So you don't have 
anything to do with those bookings, like Trevor Noah and all that? Like, No, I didn't book Trevor or Tiffany Haddish or Kevin Hart, but I booked Jimmy Carr because he's the international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose Trevor Noah is an international, and I booked him when we first started booking him at the festival, mm-hmm. but he's now moved into that U.S. territory. is handled by U.S. representatives, so my colleagues okay. handle him. So I guess there's like X amount of people you book from different places, like – there's no specific agenda of this many people from So you're not going to Vancouver UK. and be like, well, we need four comics. No. And if you can't find four comics that are great, you take three. It's just whatever. It's really, it's, and it shifts every year and it depends. You know, the Montreal Festival specifically. You're following the talent. You're not just checking boxes and that's like, right. we need this many. Okay. Yeah. And, um, the Montreal Festival specifically is so TV oriented, you know, so we have so many TV shows to film in Montreal and each of those TV shows has, you know, a, a concept behind it and some mandates behind it and a network behind it that also is involved in the conversation. And so each year that can shift a little bit and it changes how we're looking at talent for those shows specifically. So it can change a little bit every year what we're looking for and the vibe we're trying to achieve. And um, it will depend on what venue we're in and who's going to be the hosts or hosts. And um, yeah, it changes each year. And so we certainly have a number in mind to make sure that we're trying to keep a diversity of international flavor in mm. all of our shows and also, you know, wanting to make sure that there are lots of Canadians represented and, you know, Americans. It's it's a mix. Do you have to reach a quota for Canadians for funding? Because, we do, yeah, yeah okay. we do. And we I think we ex- exceed it in every case okay. because we always put lots of Canadians in things, but Do you see the festival is it is it still growing or do you th- think you guys have plateaued like what year is this i think 36 this is 30 year 36 and it continues to grow it is growing because like growing. It, with this age of like comedy clubs are dying people are staying home watching netflix but you guys still yeah it's growing made- and it's growing into different territories so the area of the festival that's had the biggest growth in the last couple of years is the conference side of things so there are all these other things that are happening movie premieres and cast panels and mm-hmm. you know it's a very industry heavy festival already and it's geared um, there's an element of it that's a four-day conference that's geared towards the industry but that has grown into public events as well um, and so that's grown podcasting um, you know solo shows in small spaces that are off JFL festival that's grown and each year you know there's a little bit more television that we're filming so there are a few more cameras out there capturing things so yeah it's it's insane to think that it can continue to grow because it's just so big so, already, yeah. but it is what we're doing. What we're, What's the estimated number of comics that'll come to the Just for Last Festival? Oof, uh, in the hundreds, right? Oh, yeah, in the hundreds, yeah. If you combine the French and the English side, it's a huge number. But I think, I'm sort of guessing because I don't quite remember what the number was from last year, but it was in the three to 400 range yes. of comedians. Um, That's, you know, plus panels and industry members that we bring in to do discussions. Do you have anything to do with the French side? No, it's pretty much operated independently. Um, Not independently, but just sort of separately. It's a team that complements our team, you know, and we work together to make sure that we're all talking to each other and that, you know, we're talking about venues and we're sharing things and all of that, but they book all their own programming. If I know about someone who's performing in French, I can bring them that person to their attention, but ultimately it's- Do you speak French? Like, would you be able to watch a French comic and- No, I speak French fine to live in Montreal Montreal, and I understand it better, but 
there is a colloquialism to the French comedy that is just be a little beyond my comprehension. So I'm not mm-hmm. really able to <clears throat> fairly watch. I've, I've talked comedy. to people who try to make the changeover and it's like, you can't just translate your jokes into French. Like you have to write all new jokes because everything, the wording's different, everything. The yeah. flow and it's uh Yeah. You can take the concepts, I think, and turn them into a French joke, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a significant transition. And people do it, they or they transition from French to English or from some other language into English, and there are a lot of people who are doing that successfully, but okay. it is hard work. Uh, what uh, what are all the shows you guys are doing there? You got uh, the All Access? In Montreal? Yeah, CBC Galas. Yeah, I mean, we're filming for Bell and, you know, for- like Crave? Uh, well, or? we filmed for Crave at JFL 42 in okay. Toronto last year. And so in Montreal, we're filming for Bell Properties in general and for CBC and for the CW. Last year, we filmed for Kevin Hart's LOL Network. So we'll hopefully be doing that again this year. Mm-hmm. And then there are a couple other things that might be. What's that, the up CW? Our like that, that American cable yeah, station? Yeah, the American Network. Yeah. What are they airing? They air a gala. So that we've filmed the gala for them for the last, I think, four years. Okay. It's the gala that's hosted by Howie Mandel. All right. It, you know, has been him hosting it the last few years, and it's a special that airs on the CW network. Okay. Yeah, it's been really successful. Howie now is the new boss. Yeah, he's my new boss. Are you excited about this? I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. Fist bumps for everybody. Yeah, good. Yeah, he's a German. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I think you'll be great for it. I think it's uh, good to have a face there that people recognize a comedy face. Yeah, and and he knows the festival really well and has worked with us a bunch and is passionate about Montreal and the arts in that city, um, but also passionate about the company and expanding and growing it. And yeah, because he knows us so well, I think that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think he's a great, he's a smart, you know, business guy, but he's also hilarious. That's a great combination for us to be working with. Mm -hmm. So you said you did... uh TV at JFL 42. Mm-hmm. We um, filmed some specials for Crave. Yeah, you did uh, three, I think, right? Yep. Deborah, Graham, Chitnan, and, and Darcy Michael. Darcy Michael. Yeah. Uh, what about Northwest? Do you guys do any TV out there? Um, at the moment, no. We filmed, did we film a special there last year? I feel like we filmed John Mulaney there, but I might be making that up. I, my jet lag brain cannot <laughs> totally be trusted today. But generally speaking, we're no, we're not filming as much at JFL Northwest. So. What about us, uh, Sydney? Yeah, well, we filmed the TV show there for Foxtel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a multi-comic lineup show that gets filmed at the Sydney Opera House. And uh, so it's sort like of it's a, a series. Like for, a one-off or a series? It's like a series, a, yeah. Okay. So I think it's an eight-episode series at the moment for the network in Australia called Kind of like an all-access thing. Yeah, it's like it's a format similar to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys have to paper your rooms a lot? Like get some asses in the seats? Or? Yeah, it happens. I mean, you and I talked a little bit about that last time when we were not being recorded, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's inevitable in some cases, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know, like, for example, after we're finished recording, I have to go to a showcase tonight and there's a hockey game. And on any other Thursday night, this would be a great night for comedy, yeah. but the hockey game is killing it for tonight. Yeah, no, so. There was a couple years ago, not a single Canadian team made the playoffs. And I was like, thank you. Yes. Because <laughs> it's just, especially when Toronto makes it, the city shuts down. They yeah. Just, uh, sports, and it's, sports, sports. And to have both the Leafs and the Raptors in playoffs right now yeah, is going to hurt comedy. I know, but the Leafs got two more games. Don't worry. They're yeah, not, well, they're not don't gonna. let any Leafs fans hear you say that. <laughs> oh, don't worry. <laughs> nobody listens to this. I told you. Um, yeah. I mean, it happens. Sometimes you just have mm-hmm. to. And um, sometimes it's the circumstances like... 
like like a night like tonight, you know, mm-hmm. that was beyond anyone's control and there's no reason for it other than bad timing, bad luck. And then sometimes it's, you know, we've we've made a tactical error in some way, you know, we've we've put someone in a room that they can't sell and we need to help them. You know, yeah. we're so focused and we very much want artists who come to do any work with us to have a really good experience on mm-hmm. stage, off stage, from beginning to end. As soon as they are in our hands, we want them to have a quality experience. And part of that is playing to a room that feels good to them and having the best possible experience on yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. And so we have a lot of methods for making sure that rooms are full. If we, if it wasn't going to sell, then we find ways to put bodies in the room to make it feel good. You find the, when you paper a room, do you, do you find they're good, good crowds or? Yeah, it's, it, it can be problematic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that we in Montreal, because we're so well established there, um, I think that people, people know how to behave at the show. Yeah, I think I think audiences are, for lack of a better word, trained to be good audiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not always. I mean, certainly there are, you know, that does happen that audiences aren't always well, totally on board. I just did uh, St. John, New Brunswick. And one thing I was told going in, it was, uh, it was like, somebody told me like the crowds don't really know how to be crowds yeah because it's a new club new club and they're just uh they're just getting their bearings yeah um it's like so you might have to fight with some people like not fight fight but like just <laughs> I was gonna you know, say what just you know go <laughs> i was in saint john i was in saint john at that club last year for three or four nights i was there for shows i did not see anybody getting into any fist fight <laughs> no, so no, no, you had to but i think like, that's just more on a, you but Jeff. just uh just uh you know like kind of have to battle them to yeah. get them settled but i uh I, I thought it was great. It was a great club. and It is a great club. They're yeah. doing a great job out there. Yeah, yeah. Steve, yeah. Steve Barnes, he's yeah. doing, doing good things. Yeah, I was there. So you and I saw each other in when I was in Halifax. So mm-hmm. I was there for showcases. And the year before that, I didn't go to Halifax for a showcase, but I did go to St. John. But I stayed in St. John for three nights and just saw people in St. John. And there were a bunch of people that came from Halifax and other parts of the Maritimes, but just hung out at that club for a few days. Three nights at St. John is all you need, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, St. John, so I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was born in Ottawa, then lived in New Brunswick for a few years. And it was just outside of St. John, New Brunswick that I lived. So it was actually really neat to be there. Outside of it, eh? Yeah. What's outside of St. Ro- John? Rothsay, New Brunswick. <laughs> the, the glamorous little sleepy town of Rothsay, New Brunswick. <laughs> and when I was there in St. John last year, I brought my niece who, um, because it's so rare that I go anywhere for more than a day, you know, to be mm-hmm. there for a few days. I thought, oh, let's, I'll bring her along. So she came with me and we just hung out in, in New Brunswick and drove around and went to Rothsay and saw my <laughs> old house. It was neat. You and Tim, how many godchildren do you have? Well, we don't have any godchildren because we're not really godparents well, to anybody, but we have... Um, my sister has four children, and Tim's brother has one, and um, I have a couple of cousins in Ottawa, but they're they're getting grown up now, so yeah, yeah. my older cousin is in his 20s now in Ottawa. And we have sort of had some of those conversations with people about, you know, what would happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. and would we step in, and of course, we've said yes to everything, and so we have all these amazing kids in our lives that we Hopefully they're potty love, trained if you ever yeah, get them, eh? Yeah, but also, everybody needs to just stay alive, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please well, and thank you. You and Tim, uh, you, you chose not to have kids? We chose not to, yeah. That's, that's a choice me and Kira made. It's a good choice. You know, it's working for us. I think it's uh, there's enough kids in the world, and eventually, if we do feel the need that we have to spread our love around, then- we can go get a kid. Yeah, you can there's find a, other there, other a, ways of having a yeah, kid. Yeah, there's a lot of people who don't want theirs. Yeah, that's so. true. I mean, I didn't make a choice 
about, you know, a, a statement about overpopulation or anything. I just, it just never struck me as something that I wanted to do. And I mm. felt that from a very early age and have said since I was in my early 20s, I don't think that that's the thing for me, but I reserve the right to change my mind at any time. Yeah. So I'm now old enough that if I did change my mind... It's too late. Well, <laughs> it would definitely have to be a, one of the kids that, you know, gets adopted. We would yeah, have yeah. to look at adoption or something, but... Um, yeah, it's still, I think it's coming from a relatively selfish place. Like I just well, dig, I, dig my life. And yeah, man. I, uh, cause I, cause I was married in my twenties and the plan was like, you know, you grow up, you get a job, you get married, you have kids. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I came from a small town. That's what I thought you did. Yeah. And then, uh, when that ended and I started like kind of living on my own and doing my own thing, I was just like, why would I ever want to stop doing this? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I don't know. And I also think this world's going to hell in a handbasket. That too. We didn't know that in our early 20s necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I like, was also married in my early 20s. I was married oh, really? before Tim. Yeah. And um, how, uh, how long that last? Um, gosh, I'd have to go back and do the math, but a few years. And um, he is now remarried and he has children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm happy for him. And because it was you, a thing that we had decided we weren't going to do. But you then, keep in touch or you just. No, we, we know about each other. Mm -hmm. We know where each other are and we're Facebook friends, but we're not in touch with each other. Yeah. But he lives in Toronto here. Like, yeah. Last time my ex saw me, uh, she just looked at me and then turned around and walked the other way. I was like, okay, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> my, Tim had never met my. Um, my ex-husband before and they met at Joanna Downey's funeral because uh -huh. my ex was friends with, with Joanna because, you know, mm -hmm. we were comedy people and he used to go to spirits all the time. And so he came to her funeral, which was really very sweet of him to, to mm -hmm. come to that. How was that uh, the meeting? You're like, fine. Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah, fine. Didn't you guys take over his dog or it was your oh, dog that's together? A that's a different It was ex. a different dog. Oh, it was a different, <laughs> different ex? Different yeah. But yeah, yeah. How, yeah. So how long did... Uh, you you got a dog with this your ex? No, it's a different ex. So yeah, different ex. Yeah, yeah. So not my ex husband, an ex boyfriend. Mm -hmm. He and I got a dog together, and as a puppy, and uh, we had her together for uh, two or three years, and then we split up. But we were both living in Toronto, so we shared her. Okay. And um, and then he made a decision to move to the West Coast to be with his family, and I was working for Just for Laughs, so traveling all the time, and was otherwise. Um, you know, didn't have anybody at home. So yeah. I couldn't keep her and be responsible because that so just wasn't fair. So he took her out West. And so, you know, we stayed in touch and I helped pay some bills and we just, you know, communicated. Mm -hmm. And I always said, if there was ever a reason for him to need to talk about it, then I would like to take her. And he called and said, you know, he was moving to a Callowit and he couldn't take Molly with him. And would Tim and I take her and, um, we were really on the fence. She was old and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a big trip for her to make and our lives, we weren't sure how it would fit with a dog and we had never had a dog together and we were nervous. Tim, but Tim never had a dog before that, did he? He had a dog with an ex that he had okay. given up as well. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, but not with me and, you know, our lives were the way yeah. we've described, which can be tricky yeah. for anyway. So we'd made the decision that she would come live with us and it was the best. She was amazing and so fantastic. And she flew out and she knew me and she and Tim bonded immediately. And she was the best thing that could have happened. And we had mm -hmm. her for about a year and a half before she died. But while we had her, my ex-boyfriend came through town and wanted to see her, of course. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't in town. I was traveling. <laughs> and so Tim, bless his heart. He's just so good with this stuff. He agreed to take her to see him and hang out and have these like play dates. <laughs> and he was 
like he had no problem meeting my ex-husband. There was nothing there. He yeah. was more nervous about about how Molly the dog <laughs> would be like whether she was going to still love him after Yeah, like, yeah, she, like oh there's like, my there's my oh, real oh, owner. Yeah, Who are I you? Forget about you Tim. Here's my here's my original dad and he was so nervous about it and Molly just was so smart. They're so smart dogs. Honestly, I could have talked the whole podcast about dogs. <laughs> They're so smart. She just knew. I don't know how she knew, but she just knew. And she just ran back and forth between them, giving them both all this love. That she, <laughs> I love you both. Just would run over and be like, I love you. And then run back and I love uh, you too. And run. That's and, great. So it went fine. But that he was far more nervous about sharing the dog with my ex-boyfriend than meeting my ex-husband. It's pretty Kira, funny. Kira and I are very, uh, like, you, you know when a, a, a girl's like, baby crazy and they get all weepy when they see a baby like, yes oh that's every time me and kira see a dog we're like look at that dog <laughs> but we're just like why don't you get one it's our schedules are so messed up and we're just like i don't know it doesn't seem fair to the dog right now like we we want to eventually look at it down the road but like yeah. I, I still work at ctv every day yeah and she was uh she got the job at yucks and then we're we're out five nights a week yeah. And she's like, when, when's there time for that dog? Yeah, know? it's hard. I mean, if we hadn't been kind of forced into a situation, we certainly would never have gotten a dog. Now that we'd done it the once and it had, we'd fi you just figured it out. We just figured out how to make sure that she was taken care of and that we were being responsible about her. And once we figured out that rhythm, once she was gone, we didn't last long before we had another dog in our lives because we just love having a dog in the house. Mm -hmm. It really is. We are just better people with a dog in the house. We are better to each other. We're better in life. We're just better. When my, uh, my parent, we never had a dog growing up and my dad never wanted one. And then uh, my stepbrother, I was the last one to go. My stepbrother moved out like two weeks before I did. He went away to school and I was moving away. And uh, I came home with a puppy that I bought for $10 at a gun show up north. <laughs> oh, and I gave it to my stepmom. And uh, my dad was just like yelling at me the next day. He's like, what the hell did you bring a dog home for? And then two days later, I came home and the dog was sleeping between my dad's legs. Yeah. And I went to pet the dog. And he goes, she's fucking sleeping. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's your dog now. But then when it was like, it got sick, like they, it was, I think it, about 12 years I had the dog. Yeah. And then uh, when it was dying, I asked my dad, I'm like, you guys going to get another dog? He's like, I never, I'd never get another dog. He's like, I can't replace that dog. And yeah. then like two days after the dog died, he was like, I need another dog. Yeah. Like, he couldn't walk in the door yeah. without that greeting. So Yeah. It is, it is a very, the house felt very empty when we didn't have the dog. How long did you guys wait before you got a new one? Molly died in July, right before Just for Laughs. And we got Norm in September. Okay. So, like, it was ended up maybe two and a half months. And what's Norm? He's a mixed breed of some kind, a lab mix. Yeah. We don't know with what he's adopted, and we don't. Little mutt. We don't know. He's just nice. great. He's just Norm. <laughs> Norm. Norm. <laughs> he's named after Norman Powell, the Raptors player. <laughs> and uh, do you, what, what's your love with basketball? You got you care about I it? I love it by association. I do oh. actually really like watching it, and um, you know, Nintendo being a games. Game. Yeah, occasionally. Um, not as often as I think we'd like, but yeah, sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I I have to be aware of it to some degree because it's just such a big part of Tim's life. But I actually yeah. really enjoy it. And, you know, I somehow seem to absorb details about, um, you know, the sport and the players and the teams and everything just 
from listening to Tim talk about it so much, Mm -hmm. but he really, really loves the raptors. And Norman Powell is now aware that we have a dog that's named after him, which is pretty (laughs) hilarious. So it was through an Uber, anyway, it was through an Uber thing, but yeah, Tim, Tim knows that he's been made aware and texted a picture of our dog norm <laughs> which is pretty stupid that's hilarious yeah all right let's get some business done here um i just want to talk to you about you're on your way to a showcase i am and uh you know all the young comics out there that listen to the potato files <laughs> uh, there's four of them <laughs> hello all four of you um what are you like what are you looking for tonight when you're like because everyone, I, I talked to you about a, a bit about this in Halifax. Everyone's very nervous, especially the fall showcases, because it's like, it's so weird having a showcase for you, which there's shows that you can do where you, you can say certain things and blah, blah, blah. But then there's the CBC where we have to showcase for everyone all at once. Yeah. But like, what are you looking for when you just want somebody's funniest, right? I just want someone's funniest. And... There are, like you're describing, there are kind of two different types of showcases. There are the showcases that I am attending, but they're not necessarily just unique to me. They're just, they're overall showcases, which Mm -hmm. are the ones that happen in the fall at Yuck Yucks when I'm there. The Halifax Festival is there. The Winnipeg Festival is there. The Sudbury Festival is there. There are a bunch of corporate bookers there. There's so many people there to watch the comedy, and they're all looking for slightly different things. And Mm -hmm. that those are very hard for the comics. Mm -hmm. And I think that... You could approach that as a comic in, I am only targeting just for laughs. I only want just for laughs to pay attention to me. Therefore, yeah. I'm going to do a set that I think is the best for just for laughs. But if it's a if it's a set that then puts you out of the running for other things because you've been yeah, dirty when you've been told not foot. to be, then yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's worth it, to be honest. I think mm-hmm. um, that some of the other festivals and corporate bookers and so on have some very specific mandates about language and content, and they need to make sure that they're seeing people who follow those mandates. Mm-hmm. Just for Laughs doesn't have quite so many restrictions because we film for a bunch of different networks and we have a bunch of different sort of ways of being able to put comics in the festival. I don't need people to be squeaky clean on showcases, but I am fine if they are in yeah. the showcase. So I think it's best to err on the side of caution in a circumstance like that and just appeal to the broad you know, to everybody who's there. But if you're showcasing for just, just for laughs, anything goes. There are all kinds of ways that I can put people in the festival. I would really much rather see someone's strongest set and I'll figure out where that fits. And if I think someone is really talented and I want to work with them, but also I can't put the set that I saw on television in the way that I want to, I will reach out and say, okay, how would you feel about adjusting that? Are you able to do it without swears in it? Or can you change the content just slightly? And then can you tape that set and can you send it to me? So I'll always reach out. I don't dismiss someone just because... There's one element of the set that didn't work. If it was really funny, then I'm paying attention no matter what. Well, I find that you're, um, like, out of, like, most of the bookers we see at those showcases, we only see those bookers at that showcase. Like, it's very rare that, like, you'll see a booker from the Sudbury Festival, you know? But, like, you're always around and you're you're constantly seeing people. So, you you know more than their seven-minute showcase they just gave you. Yeah. I mean, I do end up seeing people more often, not as often as I wish I could. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks, well, I live in Toronto. I could be out at shows, you know, so many nights a week. But with my schedule, it just ends up being hard. And, you know, as Tim has already alluded to, we really like being at home. (laughs) I can't stop watching the TV show Parenthood right now. So, um, 
you know, I'm not out at shows in the city all the time, but I, I do see a lot of shows in Toronto and I mm-hmm. do see a lot of, I'd go, I think I put, I put out a pretty extensive, I cast a pretty extensive net in Toronto alone. Yeah. And then I end up going to all these other cities in the country and I, I try and see as much as I can, but because I live in Toronto, I end up seeing more yeah. whereas like the Winnipeg, you know, the Winnipeg team doesn't live here. You know, they can't be at shows in yeah, Toronto, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is where the biggest pool of talent is. Though they're, they've started seeing people in other cities too and Halifax as well. So, I mean, I, I see a lot. I mm-hmm. see a lot. Do you ever get sick of the comedy? No, but I do find that I hit a wall that's sort of based on the calendar year. Like I feel like I reset in January and that there's a maximum number of people I can watch mm-hmm. and that I'll hit that max in like... November. <laughs> so depending on when the, that yucks week is, this year was in October. It was pretty good. But the later it goes, the harder I find. Like I've just sort of hit that max capacity for taking in yeah. comedy. But I, and I mean this genuinely, I could not do this job if I didn't like watching comedy. There's no chance. It'd be weird if I, you did do it and then like, I mean, oh, it would like be another fucking show. Yeah, exactly. If I just hated it, if, if it was just a horrific experience for me, I mean, getting on a plane and flying all the way to Australia to then sit in shows all day and all night would mm-hmm. be a nightmare. Well, I book like my weekly Wednesday show, Dope My Comedy Every Wednesday. Got to plug that. Uh, but it's... I'm booking who I want to watch because I have to watch the show each yeah. week. And when people mess me, some people mess me, I don't know. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. If I see you and I like you, I'll book you. But I don't want to just put people on because everyone gets a turn, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to. It's put, hard. Yeah. It's hard, and there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of you know opinions that are you know being put at you about mm-hmm. how you should do. Yeah, yeah. you should run your show. Yeah, but it's 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 my show, so I run it. T- well, I want to run it, and yeah. that's one thing people don't understand they're just like well why don't i get to do that i'm like yeah. i don't know who you are yeah I and think. i don't know man i'm a stubborn old fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a totally reasonable excuse yeah do you uh do you find comics are weird around you yeah we were sometimes. talking about this a bit when we talked in halifax like, sometimes i mean i wish that it wasn't the case but i i think that there are people who just worry that they're going to i don't know say the wrong thing or make a mm-hmm. wrong impression and so they get nervous and whatever I, but i, I am something. just me, me and tim were doing a show together in ajax and you came and i was like and just i saw you i was like i'm very happy to see you but then i'm like in my head i'm like ah okay and then i know what you do so i'm like well like now i got that on me yeah and then i remember i did my i don't even know if i probably did good i'm very good you bet <laughs> and then i came out the stage and i i was kind of like walking back to the back of the room and i was like let's see what zoe thought and you didn't even look at me and i was like okay Aww. i get that but i but in like at the moment, I was like, she's not even looking at me. She probably didn't like it. But then I thought about it. I'm like, you probably just every comic that gets off stage is just looks to you like they're like a, a lost puppy, just yeah. for some sort of validation. I mean, I think there's, I think validation is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. That I think is not just about me. It's about the the validation that all performers are seeking all the time from mm-hmm. industry, from their family and friends, from audiences. It's a it's a constant source. Yeah, it's a it's a need that everybody needs to to fill, and I can provide that in some cases, which you know people want to get from me. Um, but do you do you find yourself you you turn away from that and like try to shut that off? I don't try and turn away from it. I just I don't know. I feel a fair amount of pressure 
to do that mm-hmm. and I don't know how to do that. Well, I mean, yeah. if I had looked at you and what smiled, that might have made yeah. a difference. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, just, I know. That's the thing. Like it's yeah. and each person is hoping for something different from me mm-hmm. and I, I don't know what to provide. And so I'm well, that just could be a reason you try to avoid going out too. Yeah, sometimes it depends on the it depends on the environment. And, you know, obviously I have friends in comedy. And so mm-hmm. depending on who's out. Like when's the last time you just went to the Riv on a Monday, just because that's your old thing? Like, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, 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 it's been a long time, and I don't often hang out a lot after showcases. I mean, we had a drink that night after the showcase in Halifax, but mm-hmm. it was just you and me. The others were kind of on their own and didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. engage with us. And yeah, you said you said no. You know, nobody often, ever says hi to you. <laughs> it often happens that people don't want to hang out. You know, I was in St. Say John's. hi to her people. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being at a showcase in. Calgary and my sister-in-law came with me she lives there and she came with me to the showcase and I was in a booth and all the comics were in another booth a couple booths over and my sister-in-law was we were sitting in this booth waiting and there you know we were 15 minutes before showtime and nobody came over to say hi Mm -hmm. and and she was really perplexed by that why would nobody come over and I was like well they're maybe intimidated to come over and yeah. they don't know what to say and so on. And she was like, well, why don't you go over there? I'm like, I'm just as intimidated to go <laughs> over there. Like it's a whole t- table yeah. of people that I don't really know. And so there's this weird dynamic that happens. And sometimes it works out. Like I was in St. John's the night after you and I were in Halifax. I went to St. John's the next day and stayed out all night and mm-hmm. just hung with people who were there. I mean, it happened to be that there's some people that came to the show that weren't on the showcase that I'm friendly with and yeah. we all hung out. But yeah, went out with everybody after the show and had a few drinks, and that doesn't happen all that often, but well, sometimes the stars align. Well, most comedians got to realize that, like... I am just a person. Yeah, and... <laughs> what's the... I suddenly just felt like <laughs> I was um, Julia Roberts in... Uh, what's that... Uh, in Hugh, Hugh Grant, oh, um, do you know, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. I'm just a, I'm just a girl <laughs> just watching a comedy. comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, pe- like a lot of people don't realize how much of the networking side you need to do in this business too. Like, there's a lot of people that'll just they just go do their thing and then they go sit in the corner and wait for people to come give them things. Yeah. Like, hey, good job. Like, you, there, there is a certain amount of glad handing you have to do in this business. I to- do think it helps. I don't mm-hmm. think it's absolutely necessary and I recognize that it can be very hard for a lot of people. There's a lot of social anxiety in the world and I get that. I understand that. You know, there are a couple comics that I know um, struggle with it and we have an agreement to just say hi to each other and high five and walk yeah. the other way so that neither of us are <laughs> under any pressure. You know, and I don't want people to be put in terribly awkward positions to feel that pressure to talk when they're just, it's just not in their nature, in their DNA, and it makes them feel awful to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if you are comfortable, it can help, I think. But, you know, yeah. a nicely worded email also is a nice way to just stay in touch if you're not great at social stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. The festival can be overwhelming in, in Montreal to be part of all that because there's tons of that going on, just tons. And it's constantly you're talking to people and they're looking over your shoulder to see who else they could be talking to that's standing that's, that's behind you. a lot you. of comics in the city. Oh, so, yeah. So it's hard to be around that. And I know that that can be really tricky for people. But, yes, it can make a difference to shake hands and say hi and make yourself known in other ways yeah mm-hmm. let's just talk uh, about diversity and then we'll wrap this up uh we talked about this a bit again in halifax guys we talked about so many things in halifax i know why I little, didn't we record that i know we could have just had it right <laughs> at the bar there i was slurring i think about the end. 
But diversity does play a huge role in comedy. It's something that's on the grow, which it should be. But is there a certain, like, number you have to hit? Like, how does this work? Because do you look at, say, do you have a chart like, okay, I want two white guys, two black guys, three girls, two let Like, is there a, or is it just, how much of it plays into the, like, needing diversity and reaching that talent level? I think that it is a constant shifting landscape that we're just trying to make sure we're being aware of. I think Mm -hmm. that we don't have numbers the way you just described it like Mm -hmm. that, but it is very important to us to be keeping an eye on. I mean, we have to strive to have really strong shows always, 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 but we also, it's our responsibility to be aware of and to make sure that we are encouraging diversity everywhere and mm-hmm. there's no reason not to no no, no, no. i'm there not t- talking against it yeah there are wondered. tons of talented people out there and to make sure that we're aware of it and conscious of it and making decisions that you know meet that responsibility i think is all we're trying to do we don't try and hit like a a math like what you just um, mm-hmm. sort of listed i was just throwing that up. but we are always aware of it and always being conscious of it and it doesn't always work out you know i can't remember which it was one of the awards shows recently the big awards shows um and it was hosted by a white guy and he took a lot of shit for being the host because why not have a woman host it and mm-hmm. i really i did i agree with that wholeheartedly but also I suspect, and I don't know to be true or not, but I suspect that the producers of that show tried very hard to put a woman in that position mm-hmm. and didn't succeed. And so needed to make a decision about the quality of the show at some point versus enforcing the idea of having a woman host it. I don't know that to be a fact, but I could imagine that situation and then having to make that choice, which you know they would have taken, taken heat for. And so it's a constant balancing act. But it is really important. We are not going to get, you know, as many people of color. We're not going to get as many women. We're not going to get people getting better unless they're given opportunity to get better. Mm -hmm. And so it's our responsibility to do that and encourage that, but also to make for great shows so that, you know, audiences keep coming back and tickets get sold and all those things. So I think it's hard. I think it's harder than some people suggest that it is. Um, But I also think that it's very possible and people who say it isn't are wrong. It's a tricky landscape to navigate, but it's all of our responsibility to consider it properly. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think is um, when I book my show, people always like, I, I don't get a lot of shit for what I book. Cause I, I don't know. I'm, I'm putting on a good show, <clears throat> but people are like, why don't you have, you hardly ever have women on your show. I'm like, don't, they never ask me. Like, I'm not like out there just looking for people. I'm, people ask me and I'm like, yeah, I'll do your show. But I find that, uh, there's a lot of people who don't even ask, and then they're like, well, why Why don't I do your show? I'm like, well, you've never asked, you yeah. know? But I don't know. Maybe it's just it's just small politic bullshit in this weird I mean, thing. that's inevitable. That's certainly going to happen. Mm-hmm. The politics of it all is unavoidable. Mm-hmm. But it's a conversation that every all of us should be having. Yeah, I no, I try to keep everything as diverse as possible. It's just the people who reach out to me that want to do the show, like, I've asked a lot of people that just don't want to do it. Yeah. Like whether they don't want to be in a pot room or just, they don't like me. I don't fucking know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I ch- you, it's, it's very important and you guys are doing a great job. Oh, thanks. Well, not everybody agrees with that all the time, but I think 
well, it, it's does, important to know that we're trying. It doesn't matter who you book on something. There's going to be a group of people that are pissed. Yes. Yeah. And I wish we could say yes to everybody. Yeah. And a lot of people are pissed because they're not on the list, you know, and then yeah. they, they'll, they'll look at the list and go, well, why is he on it? And I'm not, why is he, on it? you know, and it's just everyone, uh, everyone got to get their goddamn egos in check. <laughs> So. I mean, that'll be the day, right? <laughs> yeah. Not in this business. No, probably not. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's been our hour. I think we... Uh, uh, we solved all the problems? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're gonna, we're, we have fixed the world, fixed yes. the comedy world totally. <laughs> now, if only just everybody would listen to this. We've solved it all, guys. Oh, don't worry. We're going to put it out there. People are going to be... I'm going to get downloads through the roof on this one. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, guys, so Just for Last Festival happens this summer in Montreal, as it does every year for the past 35 years. And, uh, and JFL 42 in Toronto JFL will be 42, in September. Toronto in September. Then we're going northeast. When is northeast? JFL Northwest. Or Northwest, is sorry. in Vancouver in February of 2019. Right. But JFL Sydney, if anybody wants to make the trip to Australia, is in November. Well, people could be listening to this in you, Australia you right never now. Know. I don't you know. never know. We're worldwide. Listen, the my files. aunt and three cousins probably <coughs> are going to listen. So. They probably will. <laughs> um, HaHaHa.com is, uh, is uh, the website website for any all, of your jfl all needs. things jfl um we've uh, been talking to zoe rabnick guys we uh we had a blast i hope you guys enjoyed listening i hope all you young comics out there learned something <laughs> and just for christ's sake say hello to zoe next time you see her <laughs> just a girl just a girl comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that has been the potato files guys uh my name is jeff paul you know where to find me jeff paul comedy on all the socials and every single wednesday night i am at the underground comedy club for dope in my comedy so come check us out there, guys. Thanks for listening. This is Potato Files, Never Sleeps Network. Bye-bye. Bye, Zoe. Bye. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. five people still listening and mom thank you for listening to the potato files here on never sleeps network now that you're done this go check out another nsn podcast created right here in toronto comedy and wrestling fans check out casey corbin's wrestling podcast talking wrestling here on never sleeps network.com thanks for listening bye bye